Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Extra Serving, a podcast by Nation's Restaurant News. My name is Holly Petrie, and I am your host. Today, I am joined by two of my colleagues. My name is Sam Okus. I'm editor-in-chief of Nation's Restaurant News. And I'm Joanna Fantosi, associate editor with Nation's Restaurant News. And it's our first time having Joanna on this special segment, so we're very excited. She's like, got back from her honeymoon. You're married now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, happy to be here. Still a little bit in vacation mode. I didn't mean to say that out loud. <laughs> uh, Joanna, t- tell us about what you ate on your honeymoon, though, because as I understand it, there was a lot of lobster. What What were you yes, eating? Yes, a I lot mean? of lobster. I think that the, the highlight meal was we ate at the Ocean House in Rhode Island, uh, which is uh, it's kind of a landmark, I think. And, um, we had, uh, clam chowder, uh, and we also had hot lobster rolls, um, which I don't know if I'd ever had a hot lobster roll before. I've only ever had the mayo ones, but just lots and lots of butter. Um, so that was definitely the highlight for sure. Was your life changed by a hot lobster roll? Because mine definitely was the first time I had it. Yeah, it was really great. And it was good that my, I almost said fiance now husband can have it because he hates mayo. So normally doesn't have lobster rolls. But Sam, you're not a big lobster person, right? No, I, I'm not. And I'll tell you why. I Lobster just sounds so delicious. And shout out to all the lobster purveyors out there. I, I, I love the lobster industry, all support, all love for lobster. But whenever I have a lobster roll or anything lobster oriented, here's what it is. It's too rich. When I eat an, and I, when I eat lobster, it's it's so buttery and and lobster meat in general is just rich that by the time I get to the end of it, I'm just full and I'm just like you know what I'm gonna take a good six months off from lobster at this point. But I I, I have a sister <laughs> who lives in Maine and every time we go to visit her we eat lobster and it's an experience. I I live in North Carolina. People come here we eat barbecue. I understand, but like yeah, lobster is something I cannot do all that frequently. Okay, so we'll really get into the news now. Headline. Time for the news. Okay. Uh, <laughs> was that our news? Was that our news theme song? All right, there we go. <laughs> um, so a lot of companies reported this week. We're in reporting season, earnings season. Uh, always fun news. Get to see what everybody did. It's also right after our top 500, so we kind of get to compare them with what they did in 2020 in our own mental uh, capacity. Um, so some big ones from this week. McDonald's had 25% quarterly sales growth, uh, big number for McDonald's, considering they still finished up year over year uh, in 2020, not by a lot, I think like 0.4% or 4%, um, but still, that's still a lot of growth. Um, and then Wingstop and Domino's also reported, but they've sort of slowed their momentum. I mean, Wingstop had like exceptional growth during the pandemic and saw all of these numbers that they were hitting that they'd never hit before. And Domino's was one of the biggest winners. So you expect them to slow down, but do you, they're still seeing year over year growth. I mean, do we think that they're going to ever go back down to dip? Cause thinking about year over year in July, that's a huge number for them to be going up. So after my long question, what do you guys think about earnings season? <laughs> Yeah, la, la, it's it's hard to judge any of the performance right now over, you know, to, to look at the comparable sales and make any kind of assessments because Q2 of last year was the most insane quarter of the year. It was the one when, you know, most companies saw their most dramatic drops. And so, yeah, you know, starting there, you're going to see for several companies uh, some results that might seem incredible, but taken into context that it's on top of what they did last year in the worst quarter possibly in their company history, 
it makes it a little bit less impressive. And Holly, to your point, I mean, Wingstop and Domino's became that destination for so many customers in that time period last year because it was suddenly delivery all the time and Wingstop and Domino's were right there ready to go. And so Wingstop did something like 40% um, last year. Their Q2 was something like 40% up. Something, something nuts. So so it, to, to take into context their 2% growth or whatever it was this year, actually is pretty impressive when you consider how much significantly up they are over 2019, which I think is probably a better assessment here is to say, what were you doing pre-pandemic and then compare that to now? And I think a lot of companies are eager to make those comparisons because of the fact that last year totally throws everything off. So yeah, it's, it's Wingstop and Domino's, while the numbers might seem like it's the growth has slowed, maybe not as impressive. It's putting that into context Context of what happened last year. You can understand that it's actually still quite impressive. And, and the last thing I'll add to this too, which is about McDonald's, I do still think McDonald's is really, really impressive because you know, they weren't they weren't down significantly. Last, I mean, they, you know, year, the, they ended 2020 with positive sales um, and it fails me right now what they did in Q2 of last year. But point is, is like, you know, Regardless, when you have 14,000 restaurants and you're a nearly $40 billion company and you do a 25% comp sales gain, that's just downright impressive. And we all talk about BTS contributing their partnership with the K-pop band. And um, if that's true, then um, every other company in the world should be trying to get BTS onto their marketing initiative right now. But yeah, Joanna, what what do you have to say about all that? I definitely agree with that. I think that I would I would categorize the growth slowdown of uh, of Domino's and Wingstop as more of a return to equilibrium. I don't necessarily think it's a slowdown. I think that it's just kind of returning to normalcy. I think that especially Domino's is still seeing uh, is still seeing a lot of growth and momentum. Uh, not as like last year they were the top winner pretty much along with Wingstop and just above and beyond. Uh, above and beyond sales. Um, and that's because, you know, everything was shut down. So instead, once or twice a week, you might go out to dinner. So once or twice a week, instead, you were ordering from Domino's or Wingstop um, or whatever. And um, yeah, I think that now that everything is open, it's kind of a return back to normalcy. But I still think you're going to see that growth momentum, especially with Domino's because of their continued investment in technology. Um, I'm going to be, I'll be really interested to see, um, like, for example, what they do with the uh, the neuro delivery bots um, and just continuing to kind of invest in uh, uh, in the customer experience. Um, and I think that that will kind of boost their momentum a bit, too. Well, what do you guys think about McDonald's just announced their newest celebrity partnership with Saweetie? What do you guys think about, do you think it's going to boost anything? <laughs> I I'm, I literally have no comment. I I literally cannot contribute anything to this. So Joanna, that's all you. Oh no, I am I am the worst in that I don't really listen to 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 uh to the most to the popular artists of BTS. I'm a little bit more familiar with than Saweetie. I'm hopefully saying that right. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that um. I think that it's a really smart move. I don't think that they will be able to strike lightning twice because I think BTS is kind of like more of a global uh, following. Um, but I think it's really smart. And it sort of reminds me of um, Duncan's partnership with Charlie D'Amelio um, and just kind of focusing on the the these Gen Z sort of inspired partnerships um, because everything is about, you know, going viral and how... And how um, 
and, and how these partnerships how these partnerships sort of perform on on social media. It's not so much about you know obviously the TV commercials anymore. It's it's uh, it's about how many uh, clicks and retweets can you get and uh, people kind of posting about trying to BTS meal on TikTok or the or the Duncan Charlie drink on TikTok as well and just. Uh, kind of all about that interaction. I think that McDonald's has really kind of keyed into what makes Gen Z tick. So you knew plenty about it. I was <laughs> educated. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm actually pretty impressed. You you pulled that one out. Holly, what do you have to say about Soweetie? Oh, no, it's definitely a good Gen Z move. It's right tar- targeted at TikTok, targeted at people who are going to be posting about what they do. A lot of the... Um, New partnership is mixing up parts of the meal. So it's, you can put fries on top of your burger and take the bun off, or you could put pieces of chicken between the burger because the meal has a Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets, um, two different kinds of sauces. And so it's all about mixing things up like she does in her music and like she's a big fan of, she's a big foodie. So a lot of that is just taking things and mixing it up. And it seems more like an interactive. They definitely do it with BTS. I mean, they did the merchandise, which was incredibly successful. Um, I don't see them doing it in this collab, uh, but it's interesting. They they were picking international stars for a while, and it seems like McDonald's is now kind of coming back to America because they did J Balvin, um, and so and then BTS, and but they started with Travis Scott. So it's kind of an interesting thing to see the evolution of who they've been picking. Um, I'm curious to see how this will do. I think she may be the least well-known of everybody um, that's been popping up so far, uh, but we'll see. I'm very curious to see. And I yeah. like TikTok. Cool. It's all about that TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for somebody. I'm ne- not necessarily McDonald's, but like whoever's listening can definitely take uh, take this idea and run with it. I guess uh, doing like oh a drive-through promotion with Olivia Rodrigo because of driver's license. Um, but you know that McDonald's is probably the only one that could afford her. So yeah. <laughs> it's got to be like somebody in the top 10 is going to do that. Um, but wow, I can't believe nobody's thought of that yet. Great idea. Ooh, somebody take that idea and give Joanna credit. That's that's going to be exciting. Well, yeah, already here first. <laughs> well, going back to sales, I'll pull Arenas in a little bit because I could talk about celebrities all day long. Um, so moving back to to talking about the success of Domino's and Wingstop, you know, we have these mask mandates kind of coming back in. Uh, Union Square Hospitality Group just uh, said that they are going to have a requirement that you need to wear a mask or show proof of vaccination uh, in September. Uh, California is doing all of these mask mandates. Um, I mean, do we think that people are going to have to go back inside, that some of these brands that saw the pandemic boost are going to see them again? I mean, what what's kind of the future of restaurants if we have to mask up again? Um, I don't necessarily think that things are going to go back to the way they were in mid-2020. Um, I do think that this is a bit of a speed bump, and I and it's possible that uh, that brands could see some residual sales from uh, from mass mandates and, but I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think these are going to shut down all the way. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, it could be worse. I mean, when you think about dining room closures of last year and then the, you know, capacity limits and, um, I, I said this on my recent call with, uh, Mark Randa at Data Central, we were talking on Instagram live to go over our top 500 report. And, you know, some, this came up, which was this idea that, Restaurants have been here before. You know, whatever comes next, it won't feel nearly as drastic as what we 
year because it was totally new to all of it, the industry last year. So um, I do think the mask mandates, um, I think the mask mandates absolutely are coming back uh, in most parts of the country. Uh, the, the vaccination thing is so tricky um, because I recognize not only are we going through this really difficult labor situation with restaurants right now, I'm sure a lot of them, if they were break, to bring into vaccination requirements to become a part of that, you get into a fairly sticky situation. And um, I, I know these companies are probably not looking forward to that. Um, I, it's it's probably the right thing to do. I'll go ahead and say now you should go get vaccinated, please. Um, and a lot of these companies, you know, agree with that too. But when you're trying to get, when you're already struggling to get employees, if you add on top of that, you have to be vaccinated, then it's gonna make it all the more difficult. So I would be su surprised if a lot of the major companies went that far, but I do think the masking, masking up and all of that is going to, and I most, and basically all restaurants I've been into in the last, couple of months, everybody's still wearing masks. The employees are still wearing masks. I feel like for the most part, restaurants are still holding to that anyway. So it's not going to be some big, sh you know, lurch back in the other direction. Uh, so the the government um, was talking about PPP stuff again this week. And I say stuff because it's not super clear um, as our resident PPP RFF acronym expert Joanna told me before we started. Um, so <laughs> Joanna, maybe if you can just sort of like summarize what's going on with the PPP this week and just a little bit of what's happening. I know there's not much, but it's still something. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that uh, this week the, um, the SBA announced that they are gonna be having a portal uh, for an application, a streamlined application to um, to apply for forgiveness uh, for PPP loans of $150,000 or less. Uh, so the smaller, on the smaller end of, uh, of the recipients. And so this way, I guess what's good about this is that you can apply directly through the SBA website as opposed to, uh, as opposed to applying through your bank, uh, which I know that throughout the PPP process, uh, it was such a headache for people to apply through their bank because um, there was all sorts of glitches and problems with that, especially if like, especially if you have maybe a small community bank. Um, uh, but yeah, they already have 600 banks on board. Um, we'll see what happens here just because um, uh, the last big rollout with the SBA was the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, and that definitely uh, caused a lot of problems, as everyone kind of knows. Um so we'll see how well this uh, uh, this loan forgiveness portal works. Well, and then just to sort of wrap up our news before we get into the interview, um, Sam, you spoke with NPD this week in a recurring monthly segment that we're going to have with them. It's a video series. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about what the video was and sort of some good nuggets that you got from there? Sure. Yeah. So the NPD group, if you're not familiar, is a consumer research firm um, that is is really great at helping to understand what consumer trends, um, the data in the consumer trends that are going on out there. And so, yeah, we have a monthly series with them. And I chatted with David Portalatin from NPD group recently, just posted that video this week. Highly recommend. Check it out. It's at NRN.com, also on our YouTube. Um, but, you know, I think the the nuggets that I will share from that particular interview that is most interesting is about how, you know, we're getting into back to school and we're getting into more people going back to work. Um, 
which both of those things are perhaps a little bit uh, on the fence now with the Delta surge. But um, by and large, a lot more people are going back to work. Offices are opening up. And it seems like schools are going to be open, um, possibly with mask mandates. But point is, is how much these things really affect restaurant operations and how much they affect consumer behavior. Because if you think about it, since the beginning of 2020, our routines have been so thrown off. For those of us who are working from home, whose kids are not going to school, it totally changes the nature of how we go about our day because we're not driving to work. We're not driving to drop the kids off at school. We're staying at home a lot more. We're getting delivery instead of doing drive through or pickup. And um, so David and I got into a lot of that. I think it's really fascinating information. The, the, the data he shared that I thought was really fascinating was he said, currently 58 million Americans are working from home in some capacity compared with five and a half million before the pandemic. And they expect it to come down, but they think it's going to end up between 15 and 30 million people post-pandemic will continue to work from home. And so, you know, something there for, for restaurant operators to think about is how does that consumer, that John Smith, who might otherwise have been going to the office and swinging into your drive through on the way home and who is now working from working from home, how does his changed behavior and changed routine affect how he's engaging with your restaurant company? I think that's really fascinating for people to think about. And I think the next six to eight weeks are going to be very telling about how much we truly are making a recovery because back to school in particular, and as more people go back to work, um, it's going to be it's going to be a, an indication of of how far we've come and whether or not people's routines are going to getting, be getting back to normal. So yeah, check out that interview between me and David Portolatin of MPD Group because uh, he breaks it down a lot more uh, into a lot more of the minutia of the data. And then our interview for this week is uh, Michelle Blythewood who is the president of Salada. And we actually spoke about a lot of the same things, Sam. Um, we spoke about Perfect. what it's like for, I mean, Salada was doing uh, talking about ghost kitchens and how they were the future of restaurants last time we talked to them in October. Um, they have since decided that ghost kitchens are not the way they wanna go. They wanna be all brick and mortar. They wanna be in person. Um, and they had positive same store sales in 2020. So they, they made it work. They had salad dressings that they made, um, but now they're just really focused on menu development. Uh, Michelle and I also spoke about what it's like to be a woman in a position of power in the restaurant industry where we know there are not a lot of women up there um, and how she kind of builds team and and how being a woman in charge, she's more that she's better with the soft skills. So she's able to help with mental health. They have a really good mental health program um, at Salada and they're really good about giving people days off. And so it was all about the community that they've built there um, since she became president uh, just a few years ago. So it was a great interview. Awesome. Yeah, Michelle's great. Looking forward to listening to it. Well, thank you, Michelle, so much for joining us today. I'd love to just hear about what the last two and a half years that you've been president have been like at Salada. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you for having me, Holly. Uh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Where to start? <laughs> um, you know, I, I've, I've been in the role exactly two and a half years. And and I started actually back in 2016 as a consultant for the company and, and got to spend about a year kind of looking behind the curtain, getting to know the brand, just fell in love with it, got offered the opportunity to, to become their first CMO, did that for about a year and a half. And then in January of um, 2019, took on the president's role. So I spent that whole first year, not only just getting to, to really know the position and, and um, doing everything that, that a president needs to do, which is everything, of course, um, 
but rolling out the brand uh, refresh. So it was about changing our logo, changing our look and feel in our restaurants was a huge undertaking, um, but one that the brand very much needed to go through. And it was a huge success for us uh, in 2019. We also rolled out a very extensive um, tech suite, uh, changed all of our POS systems to Toast, um, added um, online ordering, uh, Monkey Media, which is a, a catering software. So just a complete package. So it was a lot in one year, which, you know, Looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but, um, I have a phenomenal group of, of um, crew members here at the home office and, and then our franchisees, uh, of course, um, rolling it out in the restaurant. So that was pretty much all of, of 2019. And then, you know, everyone's favorite subject or least favorite subject, I should say, uh, happened in 2020. So just spent that year trying to navigate like everyone else and, um, really think of the opportunities that we had. So we, we have a, a completely customizable menu and they're customizable made to order salads. So it's all about people coming in and experiencing salada and, and they love to pick out all the fresh ingredients. We have over 50 fresh toppings and all of a sudden that was you know not happening. So we put together um, produce boxes. We put set salads on our menu. We put our dressings in bottles. Uh, which we had never done in the past. So, and we make all of our dressings uh, in-house, no preservatives, it's pretty awesome. We, we say that the dressing is the heart of the salad around here. Uh, so just pivoting the, the favorite word of, of 2020, that's exactly what we did and, and uh, we made it through it. Um, I'm very happy to say. So that's, that's really been the, the last two years. Um, I find it so interesting when I get to talk to leaders who have been the chief marketing officer and then go into this head role. It's it's a very interesting way that that you handle it. Um, I mean, I spoke with Greg Creed recently, who you know of Yum Brands, and so people who come from marketing and go to this head position have a very different outlook on the way that you're able to transform things. And it sounds like you were really heading a lot of these changes at Salada where you had to make very quick changes, but you were able to market it properly in a way that maybe some other executive who came from the finance world wouldn't have been. Is that kind of the experience you find you bring to the role? Yeah, exactly. It, I, it's just helped me have a really broad strategic vision. And while I'm very much involved in, in operations and, and that side of the world, you're right. I always remember, you know, we've got to think of how we promote it. And it's all about our guest and how we speak to our guests and our brand voice. So it does give me, I think, a, a, an advantage that, that I can look at it really broadly. Last time we spoke with you in October, um, you were talking about how you how ghost kitchens were kind of your future. Um, but now we're we're sort of in it's almost a year later. We're in such a who would have thought so yeah. what what and, and you're going through all this new training. So I'm sure it's sort of altered the way that you're thinking about the business and what to do moving forward. So what does that look like now? Yeah, it really has. And it, it, it was a, a good kind of wake up call to make sure that you're always thinking ahead and, and looking at things that you might change. But it, it really has taught us that we don't need um, a 3000 square foot footprint. Uh, we can do much, much less that we need outdoor dining like everyone. <laughs> 
wish they would have had, you know, patios or something. Um, so you're, you have been in charge of this big transformation. I mean, you started with the transformation in 2019, that brand refresh was over the summer, I believe was when it really came out. So that was six months into your tenure. Um, and then this happened. And then you guys have done kind of another transformation where you were doing salads to go and you were doing these bottled and you were doing different forms of the food. You were talking about prepared foods that you weren't doing before. Is that going to be a permanent transformation? I mean, what have you guys learned and what are you going to take with you moving forward? Yeah, great question. Not all of it. Some of it we, we will move forward with like the bottled dressings. We're looking at that right now and, and rolling it out into a test in our corporate stores. So that was definitely a win. Um, some of the, the set meals um, don't really translate um, as well. So there, there's little bits and pieces that we learn. Just the whole occasion of, of off-premise um, has just shifted and, and we have kept such a high uh, percentage of, of off-premise sales, digital sales. So we, we got up, we were originally about 13%, got up to uh, about 30, and now we've leveled out at about 25, but I'll take that all day long. So it's just a, a different way of, of um, consumers' dining habits and that type of thing. And, and total off-premise as far as, as where people consume their meal is, is about 80%. So we only have about 20% dining in, but, and 50% of that is, is still people coming through and taking it to go. So what we learned too is our customers still want to walk down the line and look at every fruit and vegetable and pick what they want in their salad, which is the amazing part about our brand. It, we, we always say salad how you feel. That's one of our taglines because you know one day you could want to put cheddar cheese all over the place and the next day you just want to eat kale. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it. And I think that our guests really enjoy the in-store experience, whether they take it to go or dine there. Yeah, yesterday I ate watermelon and candy for dinner and today I had a salad for lunch. So I totally, <laughs> I, <appreciate> that. <laughs> I am one of those cheddar cheese and then kale the next day, cause not out of guilt, just out of whatever. I Some days I just feel like I want something super unhealthy, but then some days I want the greenest greens I could possibly get and to chew and crunch on all of them. So it's great that you have a mix of things for that. Cust it's, it's the same customer, really. It's not like you're trying to cater to a thousand different kinds of customers. It's they're all the same person, just in different moods. And it was really funny too, just because I just recently went back through training and uh, just to see the number of people that came in every day and got the same thing though. So we definitely have those people <laughs> They're just, they love their salada and our crews have learned them that they'll just start making the salad. I'm like, how are you remembering, you know, 20 things you're putting in this, this guest bowl. So, um, but they're pretty phenomenal. We have a great staff. That's a great sign of, if I walk in somewhere and somebody remembers my name or my order instantly, I, I will go back there. So it's, that's always a great sign. That's a good sign of people working and it's a good sign of a company. So what is the company culture like? I mean, you're now in charge of it, but you started as a consultant, then you were the CMO. Um, what, what do you find the culture is like at Salada? No, I think culture is is ever evolving and um, we, we're a growing brand. We have a, a I say a lean and scrappy team. <laughs> uh, we get along and, and we're so family oriented. And I, I, I really mean that sincerely. And we have a just an internal filter where we say that we do things with love, purpose and gratitude. And we really stick by those because and, and, it, and everyone has a different interpretation of that, kind of like the, the, the salad 
um, the restaurant itself, but you know, we, we love our guests and our franchise partners, um, but everything we do has to have a purpose behind it. And then if you do that, then it's so gratifying. So we just try to use that filter and, and build our culture off of that. And some fun things that we've done is as uh, one of our brand pillars is uh, mental wellness. So from a culture standpoint, we give everyone in addition to, to three weeks PTO every year, they get a mental wellness day uh, once a quarter. And it's literally the way we describe it is you're driving into work and you're like, uh-uh, I can't do this today. You can literally text your, your supervisor, hey, I'm out. <laughs> so we do that. We have a, a cultural heritage uh, day that you can take off. So we, we just, we're trying to do things um, organically and, and what the team really wants. And I just literally opened the office um, the day after the, the 4th of July holiday. Wow. Got together and said, you know, what do you want to do? Like, what's important to you? And and one of the things really was about that we've always had work-life balance, but it was about, you know, adjusting to working in an office again and, and at home. So I decided to just open the office three days a week. So just Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're here together. And then Monday, Fridays, we're, we're working at home and it's, it's really working well. And it's, it's, for me, it's about balancing and, and, uh, I think you, you're more creative and more engaged uh, when you can have a little bit more of a flex schedule. So it seems to be working well. Well, and you really, you really don't hear a lot of people saying it's about work-life balance in the restaurant industry. So, I mean, that's definitely, that's important. And I mean, this is going to sound so silly and you can also not answer this if you don't want to, but do you think that part of the reason why you, you feel so strongly about culture and work-life balance is because you're a woman in a position of power? I mean, I always feel like that sometimes that I feel I emphasize work-life balance more. You know, I, Yes, I've worked with some great um, um, men in my career that, that have that same kind of vision, but, but I do think women in general look at that closer. Um, I think women have just better soft skills. And I remember there was a time, and certainly in my career, that it was like soft skills, you know, you're a wuss if you, you can, you know, if that's what you hang your hat on, but now it's so valuable because you have to be strategic and be a visionary, but you have to have the soft skills to, to navigate the people around you. Because at the end of the day, it's about your people, period. Every aspect, whether it's the, the franchise community or your corporate restaurants or your, your home office staff here, so. I love the thought of mental health days. My mom used to give me them all the time growing up when I didn't wanna to go to school. She'd say, we'll take a mental health day. And you know what? I graduated with honors, so I think that it all worked out, but they're very helpful. And you don't really hear a lot of companies say, I wanna emphasize mental health, which, uh, which you know, is sort of a growing movement, but you, don't, you really don't hear it a lot. What was sort of the impetus behind that at Salada? We got together as a team and we literally said, what are we passionate about besides eating healthy and, and providing, um, you know, clean eating to, to our guests, what are we passionate about internally? And we had all these different um, thoughts and discussions and it just kept circling back to mental wellness. And this was, I think you're seeing a lot more of it now, but this was way a couple of years ago when we started talking about that as a team and we said, that's what we wanna own. And, and uh, we have supported in the past several times an organization called NAMI. Um, that supports mental wellness. So it's, it's just something that's important to the team and it, it really affects anyone and everyone all the time. 
I mean, you can break it down, slice and dice it a million different ways. So it's just, it's something that we didn't want to take on um, a cause that we didn't all internally believe in, so. Well, that's so great to hear because a lot of people who may be struggling with mental health are not available to say it or are not able to register it. So to have the option without having the questions is, is really great.